0: It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky e. G. We're that journey. Good evening, everyone. That is correct. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your host, Karen Fraser and me, the lovely Chucky G. How is everyone this evening? How well, you
1: when you say everyone, were you talking about people in the chat room? I'm talking, or about, talking
0: about everyone people? in the chat room and you and Cheryl, the whole universe. How well, I'm, I'm
1: feeling worried because Bob in chat says that Jessica and I have been waiting for an hour. It had better be a good show. And as oh. we discussed prior <laughs> to the show... Uh-huh. I'm not quite right with me. You've got tissues mm-hmm. stuffed up your nose. Yes.
0: yes. So there you go. If you could see us video wise, it would already be a a fantastic show. We got snots flying out. We got this one over here. I'm fanning herself, and just, there you go. It's, it's, a great. Pretty, it's a yeah, it's a good show. Yeah. It's a really good show. So in, in fact, while we're speaking of shows, our guest this evening is Mr. B.J. Beretta. He is a award award winning te- te- I Wow. Let's try to It's going to be a good one. Woo! Yeah, well, that's my cold for you. Sorry. Uh, he's an award-winning television producer. He currently produces the Do It Yourself Network's I Want That. He's, uh, has credits including producing the TLC's Toddler Bowl. He's actually done creative content for Discovery Channel's Shark Week. I like that a lot too. Ooh, Shark but, Week. Yeah, but now he's on because he has a documentary called Surviving Death, a Paranormal Debate, which I actually saw and, um, I didn't critique it. I just, you know, gave my opinion of what I thought about it. And I thought it was really awesome. So I want to find out more about him because I went online. I was trying to find out more about Mr. Beretta, but he's kind of a mysterious man because I could not find, except for what I've given was given, you know, forward. I could not find anything on him. Usually I could find something on somebody, but so we're going to just have to delve into this guy and find out what he's all about. Cause I, that's, I don't have a lot. It's the first time.
1: How did you get to see his documentary? Cause I want to see it.
0: Well, well, I was given it to uh, to actually uh, critique it. I suppose is what you recall for uh, Paranormal Underground Magazine. I know they did an article on it, so uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. I yes. never get stuff like that. I oh, oh here we go! Now you're gonna take away all my fun. You're gonna pop my bloom. There goes all the air, folks. There it goes. Good.
1: Send it this way because I'm warm. <laughs>
0: It feels cool air, but you know, yeah, so that's how I found out about it. And I watched it. It was very interesting. Uh, they had several different, uh, people on there, you know, a medium and a, a, a ghost, a ghost hunter. I guess you're going to call him, a paranormal investigator, really. Um, and you know, a celebrity, you know, so it was a little bit of everybody, um, giving their thoughts on, you know, what was going on, uh, in the field of the paranormal. So it was, it was nice to see all the different facets of uh how people you look at these things so uh it'd be interesting to talk to him and find out like why he did that and how he got into that cuz there's something that said it, it was based on his unique upbringing so that's kind of a a key thing that I want to find out about so groovy It's groovy baby just like Scooby Doo Scooby Doo Yep. So, uh, hopefully, uh, we will be able to, uh, satisfy the chat room people that believe that we now have to have a fantastic show, uh, because there was no show before us. I don't understand how that falls on our shoulders, but you know.
1: Uh, right. Not our fault.
0: No, not our fault. But you know, I have, uh, I have a whole bunch of new stuff, and this one here—it's uh, a really long one. You gave me call, uh, that I would like to get through. So,
1: oh, how- news of the strange and the odd. Yeah, odds? can we start
0: that? Can we start that really early? Because I, I kind of have to get through this. Yes. When the
2: world gets weird and things don't make any sense, it's news
0: of the strange and the odd. I also, I always want to do uh, 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 when that happens, but But anyways, okay, so we're going to try to get through this whole thing, so bear with me, folks, because I have a a nose stuffed full of stuff, so I'm I'm do my best to talk without sounding nasally or or messing up all the words, okay. Rogue microwave ovens are the culprits behind mysterious radio signals. This is one that Karen gave me. All right, so I'm just going to read it the way it is because it's kind of funny. Let's be clear about one thing. Reheating coffee in the microwave is also a poor life choice. But it becomes especially unwise if you're using a microwave oven near a radio telescope and you're so eager for the icky, burnt, and wholly unsatisfying taste that you prematurely pop the coffee out before the oven timer goes off zing. I like that we did sing. Okay. Uh, you may have just... Perhaps un-
1: you, do you have the blog or the author of this so that we can credit them since we're um, in the air?
0: Well, I, I don't. I don't know if I have it on here. No, I didn't oh, have okay. it on there. Oh, I'm sorry. But, okay. Uh, I apologize. But anyways, um it says you may have just unleashed a small but mighty radio signal that could be detected by a nearby sensitive radio telescope. And if you happen to be reheating your coffee at the Parks Observatory in Australia, you could be contributing to the growing collection of mysterious radio signals known as peritons. Is that it? P-E-R-Y-T-O-N-S. Would that be correct? Peritons? Yes? I believe that is it. Uh well the collection of formerly mysterious radio signals. A study posted to the uh on April 9th identified microwave ovens at the park's site as a rather mundane source for peritons. It was quite surprising that it ended up being microwaves, uh said uh Petroff of uh, he's Australia's uh University of Technology, he works there. Emily is her first name. All right. For, so for years, astro- astronomers have been puzzled by these brief but intense bursts of radio waves that in some way appear to be coming from deep space. There have been dozens of reported peritons from dating back to the 1990s and theories about the signal's origins, including ball lightning, aircraft, and components of telescopes themselves. But almost, but almost since the beginning, one thing has been clear about these, despite mimicking a deep radio space signal, they're produced by sources somewhere near Earth. Astronomers knew this because uh, peritons simultaneously showed up in multiple viewing fields rather than arriving from a single point, like coming from space or whatever. In this respect, they are very unlikely that their cousins called fast radio bursts highly electronic signals that truly appear to be coming from very, very far away and have no known origin. That makes it interesting to me. All right, so Emily said her and her colleagues discovered the source of this after they installed a real-time radio interference monitor at the Parkes telescope. In January, the telescope detected three of the signals, and the interference monitoring picked up three simultaneously interference signatures. The team recognized the interloping frequencies as possibly belonging to microwave ovens uh when she and her colleagues tested these hypotheses they found they could create peritons peritons on demand simply by opening the oven door before the timer had dinged that's kind of interesting so while they're cooking it they open it up and boom that's where it comes out uh so does that
1: mean like i'm gonna cook my hand if i open my microwave before it goes off
0: i don't know you know that, that that i thought about that too it's like is it is because the waves are actually coming out of there, so but I don 't think they can actually affect you in that way, but I mean they 're actually putting out a frequency, which is kind of weird i 'm just uh,
1: rethinking some of my life choices right now
0: <laughs> this is why why is the impatience over a warming hot pocket important? if you open the microwave door before the timer goes off, the thing in the oven that produces microwaves it 's called the magnetron hasn 't had a chance to completely shut off, and so the microwave oven is briefly transmitting radio waves into the open. Uh, into the open. so that, Into
1: your face.
0: Well, I suppose. You could like nuke your face off, I suppose, but I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Oh
1: my God, maybe that's where these wrinkles come from. Well, I
0: do it all the time. Um, they said microwaves are a problem for us and none exist on the site. They are prohibited, <laughs> said the director. Other f- facilities that don't ban the microwave ovens altogether shield them in enclosures called... Oh, they shield, they shield their microwaves in Faraday cages.
1: Right, of course they do.
0: Which are supposed to prevent detectable radiation from leaking out. In general, scientists try very hard.
1: Wait, to- wait, wait. So that means I can shield myself in a Faraday cage when I open the microwave oven too soon?
0: You could. I never thought oh, about that.
1: Yeah. You have
0: a Faraday cage in your kitchen. You kind of pop in there and close the door, and your husband Jim's mm-hmm.
1: Like a portable out. one on wheels that I can... Yeah. Yeah. You'd
0: be like, what the heck is she doing in the Faraday cage? You know, I'll just-
1: keep it in my pantry.
0: Well then, how would you? But wait, a quick question is: How would you get to the microwave if you're in a ferret? It's you have, like, on stick?
1: wheels. Oh, it would well. be on like casters, so I would walk. So okay. and it would just roll along with me. <laughs> or I could get like an oar.
0: I gotcha. Yeah. Right.
1: Well,
0: okay. So it says the last radio telescope sites may appear to be occupied. Uh, no microwaves, no cell phones, no wireless routers, no Bluetooth printers or headphones, and more due to funding. Often, no food. So, one of the astrophysics more exotic mysteries has a surprising down-to-earth solution. But what does this mean about fast radio bursts, which is the other thing they talked about? Might they also be of earthly origin? They say, It seems unlikely, Emily and her colleagues argue. The interestingcies of the fast radio burst signals still suggest an intergalactic origin. They are clearly difference is in time distribution of the two types of signals. As one might expect from a cosmological signal, fast radio bursts tend to show up rather randomly around the clock. But perhaps unsurprisingly, in retrospect, the Perioton data shows these signals cluster near lunchtime hour. So there you go. So fast radio bursts are more random, I guess. So they're they're and they're a single source. Of origin so it seems like they're more coming from outer space now what they're what they are i don't know but it doesn't say but i sound i, I found that pretty interesting though nice. yeah
1: i know i'm feeling panicky and like i probably need to live in a um in a faraday cage because with the bluetooth and the we have wireless and the microwaves uh-huh. who knows what it's doing to me maybe that's what's causing these hot flashes
0: there you go it's not even, women are not having hot flashes. This is a news, news break here. It's it's all those bursts that when you open up, it's, it's the peritons when you open up the microwave.
1: That's right. And when you get to be about 50, it's just <laughs> that it's happened so many times. You've opened uh-huh. the microwave a lot of times. And so it's your my, critical microwave threshold has built up.
0: Dun, dun, dun.
1: I'm going to write a book about it. <laughs>
0: What about the microwave?
1: Yeah, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to channel an entity who gives out directions about microwaves and and talks about how microwaves cause hot flashes and
0: stuff.
1: Yeah, that's what's going to happen.
0: Well, check this one out. Here's one for you. We've heard about this before. It's kind of like, uh, I kind of know about it, but it's toxic molds may generate apparition sightings. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, this <laughs> like is on this the, saying.
1: when they're on the wall and you take a picture and it's, oh, yeah, and you're, like, oh, you're
0: yeah. like, dude, man, it's really just the mold. But anyways, they're saying that perhaps ghosts aren't to blame for haunted houses at all. Researchers in New York State are studying the possibility that people who experience hauntings may be suffering from symptoms related to inhaling toxic molds.
1: That's right. We're crazy. We're crazy. Shane,
0: Shane Rogers, an associate professor of civil and environmental engineering at Clarkston University, says he was inspired to research the topic because he's a longtime fan of ghost stories and wants to prove provide more insight into apparently possessed houses, okay? Hauntings are very widely reported phenomena that are not well researched. I I disagree with that, but Roger says in a press release, they are often reported in old-time structures that may also suffer poor air quality. Similarly, some people have reported depression, anxiety, and other effects from exposure to biological pollutants in indoor air. We are trying to determine whether some reported hauntings may be linked to specific pollutants found in indoor air. He says some fungi, including... Uh, rye egot fungus are known to cause severe psychosis in humans. Rogers and his team are working to measure the air quality of the reported haunted places in North country areas and compare the samples to places that aren't believed to be haunted. Uh, he also states, What I do hope is that we can provide some real clues as to what may be leading to some of this phenomena and possibly help people in the, prog- in the, in the progress. But, all right. First of all, he's saying that. Uh, I I understand that, yeah, I can see that it, it, inhaling toxics can make you hallucinate. I got that. But it, I don't understand where it says, uh, they're often reported in older structures. Like not every place that's haunted is an older structure. What about, uh, what about cemeteries? What about new structures? What about, I mean, cause a lot of people that do investigations look into all this. You know?
1: I do that outside. I yeah, So investigate.
0: I, yeah. So I don't understand where they're, you know, I mean, not that I'm, I'm not going to be saying. I'm just saying I don't agree. You know he kind of like boxed it into one small little yeah, well thing, you, know you I mean? when you
1: so so, so yeah, but when I'm you sure. develop a well, hypothesis, yes, 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 I do when you develop a hypothesis, uh-huh. it has to be small because you have to test only one variable. The problem is is just testing that one variable doesn 't mm-hmm. necessarily mean so so what if he does find mold in houses that have more haunting and no mold in places that don 't? That doesn't necessarily mean that the mold is causing it, because it's not. It's a correlational study, as and correlation does not equal causation. Let's say it together. Correlation, yeah. does, not correlation does not equal causation.
0: Not equal causation. Okay. Right. There we go. Okay.
1: <coughs> it Sorry. imply no. it can imply it,
0: or yeah, it can well, give you a it.
1: better picture, but it doesn't equal causation.
0: Right. And I think that, uh, a wider spectrum of looking into those things, uh, I, I understand you have to start with something. Yeah. It's a starting small. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Starting point. But you know, you want to move out and you want to test all that, that theory in all sorts of different, uh, ways and different angles because, it, you know, then you could see, well, okay, it does somewhat have some, Bearing on things, but not a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Well, it, I mean correlates. Other- it correlates. Yes. It correlates.
1: It's the yes. R equals is it, there's a correlation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. I'm sorry. Can you tell I'm somebody who spends like half of my days reading medical studies for my job?
0: <laughs> Whipping all these big words, man. I don't even know, understand sorry. what you're talking about. All <laughs> right. So the last one is NASA predicts alien life discovered soon. Chad, are you listening? Okay. So chief scientist Ellen Stefan stated that we are likely to find evidence of alien life within 20 years. Okay. So we, I
1: should still be alive
0: then. Uh huh. Says so her comments came during a public panel in Washington, D.C. on Thursday, in which NASA scientists have been discussing the likelihood that mankind will discover conclusive evidence of microbiological, blah, blah, blah. blah. There you go. See, it's microbiological. I can't breathe. So alien life in the near future. I believe we are going to have strong indications of life beyond Earth in the next decade and definitely evidence in the next 10 to 20 years. Uh, the optimistic prediction is based on the recent discovery that oceans of liquid water. Water might exist not only on Jupiter's moon, but also on Saturn's moon also. Uh, we now recognize that habitat-al, habitatal zones are not just around the stars. They can be around giant planets too. Uh, we are finding out the solar system is a, re- a really soggy place. The confirmed discovery of extraterrestrial life would undoubtedly constitute one of the greatest, if not the greatest scientific find in human history. It's definitely not and if it is when the panel concluded. So we're not, they're not, they're saying within 20 years, we're going to see some kind of, I don't think they're talking like, hey, there's going to be an alien popping up, but they're talking about some kind of life. But I thought they've already found, like, possible uh life out in the universe. Have they not? I mean, am I...
1: I wasn't there. Something about water on Mars and stuff like that. Yes,
0: yes, that's what I mean. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, because I mean, I'm a little confused here because I thought that, but maybe they're talking. I don't know. Maybe they're talking larger amounts of, of life. You know, like actual real life. That'd be kind of cool though. In 20 years, I'm I'll hopefully we'll see. Yeah, I'll be 70, so hopefully I'll still be breathing.
1: Yeah, but I think when they're talking microbiological life, they're talking amoebas. They're not talking, you know, well, gray aliens with gray heads uh, and and suits. They're talking uh, so, amoebas.
0: Oh, oh, wow, exciting! So I'll be seventy. I won't be able to see the amoeba because I'm no, blind, you, can't. you can ruling.
1: You can you can look in a microscope.
0: <laughs> I won't be able to find the microscope because I'll have like these big coke glass bottle glasses on my eyes. Going, like, where's the microscope? I can't see the amoebas. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I don't think that's gonna happen, people. <laughs> but you never know. I mean it could happen. It could happen, but I don't understand. Okay, so if they find that, what do you think they'll all right. So what do you think they'll do with that if they find that? If they find life, do you think they'll try to bring it here and move it forward?
1: Well that would I I I I don't agree with uh anything where you interfere with things like that myself. Okay. But uh-huh. I think what they will do is that they will use it much like they've used nine eleven in the last several years to keep us in terror and fear so that they can control our lives. Woo. That was conspiracy, paranoid theory sound in there. Well, it's well, what, the hot flashes.
0: Well, well, what do you mean fear? I mean, they're going to like say that alien amoeba, like some disease will come down and they'll take us or out. That
1: there's life on other planets and they're coming for us.
0: And then, like, well our heads will, like, blow up, like, big gray alien heads, and we'll mm-hmm. be like... Oh, they're okay. coming for us. They're not coming. <laughs> they're not coming for us, Karen.
1: I don't think they're coming uh, for us, God. either. I think that governments will tell us to keep us under oh. control that they're coming oh. for us. I'm being oh. a conspiracy theorist.
0: So they're going to keep us under control because they say, all right, if you guys don't behave, the aliens are going to come down here. Well,
1: he- what have they done with the terrorists for the last...
0: Oh well, the yeah, last that's...
1: fourteen years.
0: Yeah, but see, that's more believable because I know there's terrorists here on the planet. I mean, I well, understand- I
1: think a lot of people would argue that they know that there are greys that are coming and
0: well, abducting I, them. I, I suppose that's possible. I've never personally seen one. When I, Me either. Walked- a lot, but I've never I've never seen one. I've never
1: even seen a UFO. I'm just saying that there is a fraction of the population that believes that's already happening. And if there's some kind of proof that there's life on other planets and the governments get a hold of that, they like to use those little things to keep us in fear so that they can keep us in check.
0: Okay, so they're going to panic like the eighth of the population. And the rest of us are going to go, yeah, right, aliens, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, right. it won't it won't change how I live my life. I mean, I'll be so damn old by then; it won't matter. But.
0: I'll be like, I don't care. I'm seventy. Go ahead, kill me. I only yeah. got a couple of years left, anyways.
1: What if you know? Yeah. I saw a news article today, and I don't I don't um, have it in front of me, okay. but it was talking about that people who will live to be a thousand years old are alive today.
0: What, what, what wait, say? Wait, say that again.
1: That people that some people alive today. I'm assuming very young people. Will okay. live to be a thousand years old because the science is getting there with aging. And you,
0: you think that's true?
1: Oh, God, I don't want to live a thousand years. Do you want to live a thousand years? No. Hell no! Good Lord, I don't oh. want to have to pay bills for a thousand years. I know,
0: It's just to say, I got to pay bills for a thousand years. So I got to fix my car for a thousand years. I'm nope. pretty
1: sure that I'm pretty sure that my 2007 Mitsubishi will not be operational in a thousand years.
0: Well, wait, if they if unless they, I
1: take really good care of it.
0: Well if you're saying that they could keep us alive for a thousand years, does it mean like alive in a good way, like we're all healthy? Yeah,
1: alive and and like like, when when you they so it was something I wish I had the article in front of me because they were talking about um that when say you got to sixty, they could do something cell on a cellular or genetic level that Uh could when you're sixty take you back to like uh genetically when you were thirty. Or biologically, when you were 30. And so when you get to 90, they can take you biologically back to when you were 40, things like that. So it would be.
0: (laughs) Well, you scared me there for a minute because I think it, I thought you were going to say like they would keep you at 60 because it's like, look, if I'm like 60 or 70 and I'm wearing depends, I don't want to be in depends for a thousand.
1: No, no, no. They would take, but you know, it's interesting to me because that's what my plastic surgery is doing. I look like I'm 40, but I'm really 97.
0: Oh, I didn't know yeah. that.
1: and I'm okay. gonna pretty soon. I'm gonna look like who's that lady, the Jocelyn Wildenstein or whatever the the cat lady with all of the plastic <laughs> surgery. <laughs>
0: well, that's how kind of like no offense, but that's how uh, you know. God rest her soul, Joan Rivers. That's how she looked. how like, oh kinda, like, yeah, like
1: just, you just that, took she... it,
0: just pull it back, pull it back on your face.
1: I can do that.
0: Yeah, I, no. See, don't do what do you
1: think? Is that attractive?
0: No, it's freaky. Don't do I'm that. Like, I'm making you,
1: faces at Chuck and you, Cheryl. They can you see. People how
0: can't, can't see this. This is really weird. Don't, don't. Yeah, don't do that. Don't stop doing that. And my I God mean God.
1: have like injections in my lips, so that they're like twice she's, the size of it.
0: All right, just so you understand, she's taking her fingers and pulling her face in weird, silly putty kind of moves, and it's really <laughs> freaking me out. Don't do that. That's weird. <laughs> that is really weird. So no, I mean, I don't know. You know, I suppose if we were, if we were to stay alive, healthy. Yeah, uh, I still could. wouldn't
1: want to live a thousand years.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't, it takes
1: I don't. away the specialness of things if you don't have, you know, if you know, I've got a thousand. I don't know. I just, I know my my son's dad, my ex husband, the second ex husband, yes, was um, obsessed with being immortal. He wanted to be immortal, and I just used to always say. Why the hell would you want to?
0: Haven't you ever I mean, seen those movies? I mean, with Dracula and stuff, he's mortal and all these people he loved because, and then dead.
1: Ugh. Well, because, but he, because he's afraid of dying. I mean, and I think that's the reason that people are, oh. are, are, want to be immortal. But the thing is, is that he's like one of the most miserable, unhappy people I've ever met. So uh-huh. why, if your life is so miserable, that one of those people who believes that life is a trial and that you just have to endure and, you know, and all yeah. of that,
0: why would you want to live
1: forever if that was the
0: case? I, I don't know why you'd want to live forever. I mean, I
1: I'm a I'm a shiny happy person usually. Yes, you are.
0: Yes, you and, are. And
1: and I don't want to live forever.
0: No. And Bob said, Bob just said, just imagine a hot, hot, a thousand year old woman in a thong. Lord, no. Oh no. Oh no. well, I mean, Bob. If she's hot, then it would be okay. But if she's like, you know, I don't know, all like 50,
1: like Magda and something well. about Mary.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, we don't want that. We do <laughs> not want that, folks. No.
1: No, no, definitely not. So hey, uh it's yeah. like pretty much close to break time. Okay. So why don't we take a break so that we can come back and um you know, talk about paranormal documentaries and frankly Shark Week.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, we yeah. have to talk about that. Yes.
1: That's, that's what I want to talk about. I okay. to heck with the paranormal I want to talk about. Shark Week. <laughs>
0: Uh-oh, and, I get, and I want to get and I want to get
1: his his impression of Sharknado, Sharknado 2 and the upcoming Sharknado 3.
0: My God, you're gonna ask him that? Okay. All right. No, I'm
1: not. I'm not I'm not a tacky bitch. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do this. We'll go to break. Um okay. and when we come back, we will be with our guest, and it's going to be a great conversation with Chuck with his tissues hanging out of his nose and me fanning myself with a paper plate, stick around. You just can't wait to see it. You're listening to Paranormal Underground <laughs> Radio in the Dark on the Hazy Radio Network. We will be back in a few minutes.
0: Oh yeah. Hey everyone, it's me, Chucky G, and I'm here with Karen Frazier.
1: We'd like to invite you to join us on Hazy Radio every Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific, 10 to midnight Eastern for Paranormal Underground Radio. In the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G.
0: We'll be exploring the paranormal and featuring the latest in spiritual and metaphysical topics, as well as interviewing intriguing guests.
1: So please join us every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern for two hours of exciting paranormal radio on HazyRadio.com. Hey, everyone. It's Karen Fraser from Paranormal Underground Radio. I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, investigating the haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you, too, can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com or you can visit my website at authorkarenfrazier.com.
3: Hey, hazy radio listeners. Do you like animated movies and TV shows? Do you ever wonder just what goes into making the magic that appears on your screen? Join Doug Engler and Brandon Aarons every Sunday night for Animazing Radio. Animazing will feature everything in the animation arena, from voice actors and actresses to illustrators, producers, and more. Only on Animazing Radio will you find the very best in animation from around the world. Catch Animazing Radio every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, only on the Hazy z Radio Network.
1: Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground?
0: Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG.
1: Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground.
4: There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us
0: on your favorite social networking site today.
3: Doug, what you doing?
1: I'm celebrating the new time slot for Periscope Uncensored.
3: That's right. We're moving to 9-8 Central starting April 3rd.
1: Yep. And with a party this big, we have to invite all of the Hazy Radio listeners.
3: Uh, what was that?
5: Oh, God, I think I partied a little too hard.
3: Oh, Doug.
0: Catch Periscope Uncensored Friday nights at 9-8 Central.
3: Only on the Hazy Radio Network.
2: Out in the air Where my heart As a hand, brittle as a bone
3: Hazy and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. Hazy Radio Network. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only.
0: You are back with Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark on the Hazy Radio Network. You're listening to the wonderful song, Harvest, by Ari Heist. And now we are here with our wonderful guest, Mr. B.J. Beretta. Good evening, sir.
6: How are you doing? Thank you guys so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's yeah, cool. I'm looking forward excited. to this. Yes, so, I am.
1: So just before we even get into any of the stuff that we actually intended to talk to you about, you were just telling me <laughs> off the air what your your day job is, and I love it. So you want to explain that?
6: Well, currently, while well, I'm an independent I produce television shows, and the show I'm producing now, the series, is called "I Want That" on the DIY Network. And it's um, each episode is uh, about 12 products. Think of it like um, like Sky Mall Television, like stuff that you don't need but you want, like the coolest and latest gadgets. So it's just kind of like bring you up to up to date, up to speed on some of the the coolest inventions. And um, I just actually came back from Vegas um, about maybe a couple months ago. We did the "I Want That" special at the uh, Builder Show. All oh, kinds cool. of, like new appliances and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure people want to talk more about the ghosts and the then the than the gadgets <laughs> and stuff. But it's a, it's, a, it's a fun it's a fun quirky little show. So so do you
1: do you have your own production company then, or do you? No, work actually, for- I work
6: for production company. So I'm the okay. producer for a production company. Um, so that the network will you know buys the show and, and then the production yep. company produces it, and I as the producer write and produce uh, the show.
1: Very cool. Fun
0: job. Right. Yes. That's, that's I think that's cool. No, we 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 like to talk about other things besides the paranormal, though this is a paranormal show. Mm-hmm. We will get it we will get into Shark Week a little bit later. Just yes,
6: yeah, week. because, because, because
1: I've, done, uh-huh. I've done toddler bowl,
6: uh my network tools Wait, wait, wait. What? So yeah. what is toddler bowl? Toddler Bowl <laughs> was a um you know, they do a lot of counter programming during the Super Bowl because it's super yeah. so popular. So so Animal Planet, which is also owned by Discovery, has Puppy Bowl. So if they were trying to come up with another counter program, so if you weren't into puppies and you weren't into football, um it was toddler bowl, it was a bunch of uh you know, two and three year olds running around. And I tell you what, that was the hardest job I ever had, trying to wrangle um <laughs> toddlers. Yeah, I bet. So, oh
3: yeah, that would be fun.
0: You're you're a brave man. So, how many kids were on the show? Wait, how many kids were on the show? I mean, did you have the wrangle? Were
6: Thirty. Oh That's my. Thirty kids but, and their parents. Oh god,
1: and their parents. Probably some of the parents are worse than the kids. That's sort of you know. So we have a lot of uh, a lot of there are a lot of people in the paranormal who would really like their own television show or to produce a television show or or have a television show sold or be talent. You know, any of those things. So what does it take so for like the the current show I want that? What do you do? Do you produce a pilot and then take it somewhere to some convention or how do you do that?
6: Well, it's funny that you bring that up because actually when things were doing at my production company were uh, we were working on it on a sizzle for a paranormal type show and I can't say too much about the specifics of the show but the thing is um you know, you kind of have to know what the what the trends and tastes are. So paranormal kind of ebbs and flows, and, and television is so fickle. You know, six months ago, you know, if paranormal's hot, then tomorrow might not be hot, and then two months might be hot again. You see, you never... Television is this wave, and, and executives change their mind, you know, weekly. Um, but it has to be authentic, and it has to be different, but it has to be something that they know will sell, so it's like a new twist on something that's already kind of done. Um, and, you know... What I, what we're seeing now in television in general, not just the paranormal, is that people want authentic stuff. I think people people are getting a lot more savvy. Viewers are becoming a lot more savvy. And they kind of know what's produced and what's kind of mm-hmm. not real or what's kind of, you know, sort of scripted. And, you know, I think the shows that networks are looking at now in general, just from from my observation where I'm hearing about the industry, is um, authentic people. So we're looking for authentic or networks looking for authentic paranormal people, and basically what you would do is you would, um, if you think you have somebody that's a character, um, you know, so it's about people. It's about people. Right. People is the entryway. Um, if, I mean, who's a character? Um, you put together what you call sizzle reel, pitch tape, and then you just um, you shop around to shop around to networks. You know, or or you know, if if you're not a production company and you think you have an idea, um, call up a production company. You can call me up or whoever. You know, look up a production company that that. Uh, that produces uh, television shows for cable networks and um, if they if they think there's something you know you work on a contract together and, and then uh, bang out a sizzle and then um, you know, hopefully you sell it
1: well i 'm sure that production companies, much like um, publishers and editing houses, just love the unsolicited stuff that comes in do you, is there is there an equivalent of the manuscript slush pile in the television product, production the television. industry?
6: Tell it, it depends. I mean, there there are people that reach out. We're we're a smaller company, so uh, we don't probably get as much as like one of the, one of the bigger companies. Or a lot of times, mm-hmm. networks are just contacted directly. Um, a lot of people don't think to go to the production companies because like a small production company might produce one or two shows, or you know, um, and, 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 right. and uh, by shows popular to our network with a bunch of uh, shows from various production companies. But anyway, um, yeah. We don't like a lot of a lot of companies, a lot of networks don't like unsolicited because what if it's a similar idea or somebody can say it's a similar idea because then you start getting in a really murky area if somebody said they have a really good idea and they send you an email for, you know, a a show about X, Y, and Z. And just, you know, hypothetically or coincidentally, you were doing a show about X, Y, and Z. So they don't really like solicited show ideas per se unless they say, Hey, we're looking for, you know, a particular type of ghost hunter or a particular type of this person or that person, we're looking for you know, usually an idea that's already kind of solid and sold.
1: Yeah, we get we get a lot of uh, people in the paranormal get a lot of would you call them pitches? You guys get a lot of emails saying, "Hey, we're looking for somebody who does this." What was it? The one was the naked ghost hunting. That wasn't yours, right?
6: Oh wow. no, 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 not <laughs> that, that was that was a fad in. Um, I mean, naked it was a naked fat, and afraid, a, yeah. Naked, afraid, you had naked buying where people were like buying houses in a, nudist, a news colony. You had a uh, naked dating, so so nudity was um was sort of the 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 trend du jour um, last summer.
1: <laughs> okay, wow. all right. Well, that just you know what that just tells me. So as you as you go about your job and you do this, do you ever just think, holy cow, people are effed up?
6: Well, <laughs> I, I, I think. Holy cow! Thank God, people are effed up. Because if there, were, <laughs> if there weren't messed up people, you know, a we wouldn't have content, and b we wouldn't have people watching. to have this stuff. So you know, <laughs> but, that's so true. You got to have the wacky
5: people. You know.
6: Yeah. Because, I mean, I, yeah,
0: I've had, I've had like cool ideas of my own, you know, for like a show and stuff like that. So, you know, but it never, it's and the whole thing. for the
1: next thing. hour and a half, we're going to pitch you.
0: <laughs> well, no, no. You know, I've had ideas and I've, I've talked know, to people I'm about teasing. them, you know, but, you know, they think that they're cool, but I'm not going to sit there and pitch them on the show. But, you know, I, uh, know, I was just
6: teasing. Have you your people pitch. call my people. All right. I yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Cheryl, I, is, I, our, Cheryl yeah. is our
0: people. Cheryl is my people. So, I'll have my people call your people. But <laughs> I do have a really cool idea. So, you might want to hear. Anyway. <laughs> no I do
6: I have a really good idea no, I, That's a, but I'm serious I mean you never know I mean it, I showed, too, somebody too. shows pop up because uh, somebody said they had a good idea and and uh, you know somebody like well, well tell Timmy you know like um like for example, desperate to show desperate housewives the, okay. the guy was um basically he was a kind of like uh you moved back into his mom's basement unemployed. And I don't know the specifics of the story, but some sort of like junior level person at the at the network really kind of championed it. You know, everybody passed on it, but this person liked it; they thought it was a good idea. And next thing you know, the guy is—I uh, forget his name—but you know, hit show. Here you go. Chief. So,
1: so is that is that what a showrunner is? Are you a showrunner? Is that what that is?
6: No, that's the executive producer. So, executive producer oh, okay. so is kind of is is the the showrunner. Um, I'm learning produce- the lingo. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I produce and I write, so I take care of the segments, and then we have a casting producer to cast for us, and then we have um, all kinds of assistants and coordinators and editors and stuff. So the showrunner just kind of is the, you know, the, the, you know, the head, the executive producer. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what a fun, creative job! I think that that sounds really. I, you know, I like anything creative, so I would That's- imagine. Do do you get to be creative in what you do, or is it less creative than I would imagine?
6: No, you have to be creative. It's like for the show, I want that. Um, You have to be creative because you know there's there's a dozen products per half hour episode, and you got to keep it fresh. I mean, TV is entertainment. You know, it's an entertainment show. You know, we survive by the fact that people tune in and they stay tuned in. So advertisers will will um, you know advertise on the show. So you have to keep people engaged, and you have to have a fun and quirky writing. You can't. You know, you know, some pieces are better than others. But you really can't take a a, a, you know a segment off or whatever. You really have to stay sharp with it. Sure. So,
0: so like with art. So we 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 looked at all the different shows you did. So I found interesting when there was a a statement that uh, what you did with surviving death, a paranormal debate, was your personal exploration of the afterlife based on your own unique upbringing. So, can you elaborate on that? What that means?
6: Sure, and uh, I'll bring it back a little bit further so everybody kind of understands. Like, why is this guy who's dealing with toddlers and tools writing? (laughs) Oh my god, that's a
1: new show! Toddlers and tools, toddlers and power
6: tools. Uh, Oh no, that's going to be on next fall. Toddlers and tools, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, so I was getting my master's degree in. um, film and TV producing at American University in, in Washington, D.C. And so I had to make a thesis project. So, so from that degree and from this thesis project, Surviving Death, um, having that show on a couple of PBS and member stations, that kind of that's what catapulted my career. That's what got me into Discovery, um, where, I, and where I did some stuff for uh, Shark Week and Animal Planet. That's what got me on the DIY network. So that's, that's where I, I'm, I'm here now um, because of the paranormal, because of that documentary, because it, it was a thesis film. That's great. So, you know, this is why you go to film school and you got to make a film to graduate and, you know, like any art, you know, the best stuff that you do is, is, is stuff that you know. So I was going to school full time. I was working full time as a video producer for the U.S. government. And so I didn't have a lot of free time to, to make a film. So it made sense for me to do something that I, I knew and was familiar with. But something was interesting and something I went to explore. So getting to your point was uh, my mom, she's a famous um, astrologer, her name's Lisa beretta and um, she's uh she she's published and you know, she has articles and, and magazines and she's got two books and, uh, and so so growing up with a with a you know psychic mom and you know, astrology mom, but I also went to a Catholic school in in Philadelphia. Wow, well, that's an interesting grade. uh Contrast. Exactly. So I had that dichotomy there where, you know, you have an hour of religion class every day, and it was Catholic school, so I was told I was a you know, bad little boy, and I would go straight to hell. And then,
1: you know... <laughs> <laughs> where all the fun people are, it's fine.
6: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like, nothing nothing against, um, you know, Catholicism or whatever, you know, but... In Catholic school it was a way of kind of discipline. if you talked after the bell you're at ania the Catholic guilt whole thing, so whole Catholic guilt thing so you know so you kind of have that whole aspect about um like you know what your soul is and then just you know growing up with you know at home with my mom, and then just being interested in how you know entertainment and television, as we were talking about a little earlier about how television sort of um scripts things and manipulates things. Um and you know, ghost shows are popular, but you know, you watch them, some of them, and you can tell, at least, you know, if you have a certain eye towards production about how the way the editing or how some of it's produced or that it is produced. Mm-hmm. So I just went to do something that kind of explored um the paranormal. And it was kind of, you know, it was a little risky for me I thought as a first film because usually with a film you have a beginning, middle and an end. You have a you question, you have a problem, you you, you know. You explore, it and you solve, it and you have a conclusion. I picked a topic where you couldn't really have a conclusion, unless the conclusion is, like, there is no conclusion. Um, I didn't want to demonize one point of view. I didn't want to evangelize one point of view. I wanted to be honest. I wanted to treat everybody with respect. Um, so, you know, we had a Lloyd Auerbach. So if, oh, if you know him, he's one yeah. he's, he of the top, if not the top... Um, parapsychologist. I had uh, Richard Felix, who was a host on the the show, not one of the hosts, or um, members of the show Most Haunted yeah. um, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Sturgis, who was a ghost investigator. Um, I had an, a, a, a physicist, the a head of the um, science department at American University. Um, and I had a Catholic priest that was willing to kind of talk about it. And, and they all gave very... Um, candidate points of view and they were very respectful and they were you know they 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 were great for they were great for participating. Uh, psychic comedian Michael Toddy so he had a psychic as well. Yeah. Um, you know and, and I I had the time and the budget to do twenty seven minutes was my goal because I figured um you know I'm gonna make this and hope somebody sees it. So twenty seven minutes is a PBS half hour. And I got a couple PBS stations and a distributor saw and they liked it and they said, you know, we like to see if you can have- Make some money off this, so that's why you can find it on Amazon, Amazon and iTunes now. So my distributor is, um, um, I Film Releasing. So very grateful. Can,
1: can you stream it on Amazon?
6: You can't. It's a streaming. It's only it's only available streaming. Excellent. Stream, so, yes.
1: I know what I'll be doing tomorrow.
6: You should definitely check it out. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that because I like so I like the really thought provoking documentaries. I like the documentaries where you get all of the different points of view because I don't. I don't like the filmmaker to tell me what I should think.
6: Yes. I like, for, for, I like that
1: conclusion being left to me.
6: That, you know, and it's funny because um, I, I just watched the film again for the first time in, in, a, in a short while for me at least. And, um, you know, and I also, I teach a film class. I teach a college film class at a, at the local community college. So we just got, we just did the nonfiction segment of my class the other day. And, you know, we were talking about documentaries and nonfiction and about, Stuff that's overly produced, or stuff when it like when the filmmaker tells you to think things. Like for example, the movie Super Size Me, when Morgan Spurlock ate Mc- nothing but McDonald's for thirty days because he wanted to tell you the audience of how bad McDonald's is. Whereas my film and a lot of documentaries that I like, I like um, I like that it. Was, it I almost approach the film almost like as a stream of conscious in the sense that when yeah. I sat down and I had all the footage. And so the spine of the film was this investigation, and as a question popped up, um, I found a bite that would answer that question, and now I'll find something else from the other participants that might rebut or refute or, or offer a different point of view, and it just kind of came, you know, it just kind of happened back and forth. So like, not everybody's introduced at the beginning of the film. It's you know, the the priest comes in a little bit later on because that's when we kind of, I feel, organically kind of get to the point, like you know souls and demons and the devil and all that stuff. I didn't, you know, I didn't hit you in the beginning with it. I just felt, I wanted it to be natural. I wanted it to be a natural conversation.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I like films that are kind of quietly introspective too. I'm a huge, first of all, I have to tell you, I'm a huge documentary buff. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, I would, I don't know. I I love reading and I'm a writer by trade, but I might actually rather watch a documentary than read a book. So I just love documentary films if they're like that, if they don't tell me what to think. And most of them, most of them tell you what to think. So when you did that, did you try to have a point of view or did you deliberately try not to have a point of view?
6: My point of view was, I almost wanted to kind of be like an arena. Like, I do have a point of view, and, and I, I try to be very careful not to sort of impart, you know, I guess there's always going to be some sort of filmmaker bias. and, and sure. But I, I tried really hard. And it's funny, the, the ending was, um, how, the, how the ending came about, and, and in, the, in terms of my point of view, is, um, you know, I was making the film. And I didn't quite know how to finish it because, you know, I, I had this debate. So I was kind of stuck and I just kind of like put this kind of, for lack of a better word, this twist ending on it. Just like as a personal kind of like a joke, like, I don't know what to do. I just did this. And I was just showing some friends like, did that I be funny? People were like, I really like that. I really like that. And I'm like, you really like that? I wasn't being serious. <laughs> but then, but then I, I asked them, like, well, what did you like about it? And it kind of brought it full circle. And I don't want to give away too much of the film. But mm-hmm. a lot of it, you know, because you have the, the scientific point of view, the religious point of view, parapsychology point of view. There's also the entertainment point of view and, like, what can be measured and what and what can you believe. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also having that ambiguous ending, um, it kind of worked for me in a sense of, like, um, not to compare. You guys are familiar with the movie The Graduate uh, with Dustin Hoffman, Mike Nichols. Sure. But- yeah. yeah. Like the last, the last scene where he and um, his—I uh, forget the name of the—the the, the character who played his, you know, um, girlfriend or girl who just left. But Dustin Hoffman and the girl were sitting in the bus, and they kind of like that ambiguous, ambiguous sort of um, look in their face. Or um, another, you know, the French New Wave film, *400 Blows* uh-huh. by Francois Truffaut, where it kind of ends with a ambiguous flash frame, and we talk about these in my film class and the reason I like them is because these films are sort of introspective thought-provoking films and it kind of leaves you with something it's not really telling you how, what to think or how it should end mm-hmm. it kind of leaves you with something so it's kind of um, a springboard for you to kind of come up with your own conclusion to kind of you know take something away from it to to keep the conversation going in your head when you're done so I guess my sort of I don't want to say my aunt, I'm not comparing myself to great new wave films or great you know, <laughs> American, um, you know, new Hollywood films. But I like the idea of having sort of a, an open-ended ending. So you knew the movie was over. Like, you, you didn't feel like it was abruptly over, but, you, right. but you're but you still right. thinking about it. Yeah, uh, The conversation, just because the film's over doesn't mean the, the debate or the conversation's over.
0: Right. Well, there, there's, a, there's a question in the chat from Bob. He wanted to know, uh, do you think that producers of some of the paranormal shows have an agenda to make a mockery of the field by deliberately using inept groups?
6: That's <laughs> you know what it is? And it's getting back to what we were talking about earlier. It's about characters. It's it's really about, you know, fil- you know, TV is a visual medium, and it's not so much the story so much as it is about characters. If you, take, if you look at TV shows of, like, the Long Island Medium, or Honey Boo Boo, or whatever, and you strip away oh. what, what if you strip away where you know where they are or what they do yeah. what they look like. It's about like the family. It's about universal stuff or whatever. So and, uh, the point of it is, it's not so much the worried about the story, the worried about who the people are. So I think they're picking people um, with per- certain personalities and they're playing them up because if somebody's just you know I guess flipping through channels and you see this this lively Guy or um, you know, one of the shows I think of is Animal Planets um, Finding Bigfoot. Those people I I've seen that show a long time ago. Yes, they're yes. all they're all characters, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the producers definitely have an agenda because again when I was talking about even like my show, I want that any show, you gotta keep entertaining and you gotta
5: right.
6: keep viewers because you need advertisers to make money. That's the engine of the of the right. business. So, if people are tuning in, want to see people getting scared and finding ghosts, well, the producer has sort of almost an obligation to um, go ahead and, and, and scare people and tell them there's a ghost. You know, right. of offering you a paycheck every week to say, Find a ghost. Yeah. Uh, go find a ghost.
1: Well, I always have to wonder with every, every TV show that's a reality show, every single one. I always have to wonder how much is actually the stories of the people that you're seeing on screen and how much is a an editor or a producer or a writer taking yeah. disparate scenes and moving them in a direction so that you see a story that's maybe not very, very much the same.
6: Totally. I mean, I've seen a lot of shows where, I mean, you have hours and hours and hours of footage of all these right. people. And then you have, like, say, 13 one-hour shows, which are actually 40-minute shows um, after commercial breaks. I mean, right. you're just showing the best of the best. And, you know, I think a good show kind of stays true to almost kind of like a biopic, a bio, like mm-hmm. a fiction film. Or, like, you know, some of it's fictionalized, but you're staying true to the character or true to the essence of what happens. Sometimes you, you fudge things, but you're not... Fudging the truth, you're just trying to, you know, make a trade decision to move the thing along, and keep it entertaining. But sometimes you're manufacturing entertainment, and that's what I was saying earlier when we were talking about pitching shows. I mean, people people are a lot more savvy with social media, sites like uh, sites like Reddit, and just people just being a little bit more smarter with, you know, internet searches and Google. You know, you can't fool people so much, and I think people want authentic characters because I think you can tell again when those ghost shows are. Playing people up or you know when, when, when playing up situations, and I think that's why if you have a real authentic character um in a real authentic situations and that that's kind of the big thing now with in, in television, even to the yeah. point where you see like now you see a lot of movies or TV shows where it looks like um um you know like shot on webcams or personal cams yeah like, that's sort of uh you know I mean, and that
1: kind of shaky footage and that's that's big now isn't it
6: yeah, well, the, the shaky footage was a little bit with the film footage, but there's a MTV has that movie Unfriended. it. Um AOL's coming out with um, with this like a real world for um, the millennial generation where there's no camera crew; people are just carrying their own cameras. So I think it's called um, Connected. I could be wrong about the title, but the point yeah. is, it, it can't. You know, you can't get any real, even though the MTV movie is, is scripted. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. We, we're. Yeah. we're Video is ubiquitous. We have, you know, Skype and and you know FaceTime and video chats. Mm-hmm. You now, new new technology like Periscope and uh, and uh, Twitter. So, you know, video is all around us.
1: Yeah, but I, doesn't that make it exciting to be in your industry? Because I think the creative possibilities are kind of endless. Like if you look at what Netflix is doing with original TV series. Um, they're not stuck into those 40 or 20 minute time frames and they don't have to break for commercials and, and that type of thing is, does that, does that excite you? Does that make it? It does. You know, I mean,
6: for, for me, like as an independent, you know, filmmaker, grad student, I was able to make a film and tell a film how I wanted to do it, not compromise myself or, or try to be entertaining. You know, I mean, I, I think the film's entertaining, but not try to be over the top or, 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 or take away anything of substance from the film just to sell it. Um, because because there are outlets like iTunes and um, and Amazon and, you know, lots of great films on Netflix. You can find uh, stuff that might not have mass audiences that necess- necessarily want to made, get made now because you can find that niche audience on a, on a Netflix or an Amazon. Um, at the same time, as somebody who now works in the industry, it's, it's scary because you would need to find out, like, you know, all these disparate tastes and, and you know, what do millennials want to watch I mean, who are used to kind of, you know, Having their own sort of, um, you know, different type of content and, and, and a different type of quality content, um, you know, trying to figure out how to monetize um, <laughs> yeah. through um, you know the, the, these new trends and these you know new fads and, and the new technology and creativity.
0: Well, yeah, because if, if it looks like it's. It's so sporadic and all over the place, you know what I mean, as far as, uh, like, it's like one second is this, one second is that, you know, so, I mean. Oh, you mean the be... short
1: short attention span theater?
0: Yeah, you know, where you're flipping through remotes at a thousand miles an hour, so, I mean, it's got to be really hard to be able to figure out what's going to grab them and hold them there for at least long enough for you to show them something, you know what I mean?
6: Exactly, and that's the thing because short attention spans. That's why a lot of times reality shows, and this is where they went too far. We're so over the top. Whereas, like if you're flipping through, just somebody screaming or running away from a ghost or something, because you know you, you can't have, you know, with DVRs and 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 iPhones and iPads in your pocket, like you can't have five seconds of sort of dullness because you will lose them. You know, you yeah. people are so sort of. um inundated with with technology and screens and um you know stimuli that if you aren't exciting for a second you're going to lose them
0: Uh well i I like the the fact you're talking about the uh bringing in the actual players that are in the field uh onto the screen versus you know the uh I don't know, we actually call them actors, I guess, because in a way that's what they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, I mean, that, that was my all th- thought process when I was, you know, saying stuff. Oh, I got these ideas. It's like, and it's all based on, let's bring in the, the real people that are really doing this. To show what it's really about, because I think that would be just as interesting. I mean, heck, people will watch anything on, you know, I mean, come on, you have uh, the real world and stuff where they just yell and run around and scream in the house and they're not doing anything, you know what I mean? But I mean, uh, uh, just the, the concept of human interaction and stuff like that, and then put that into the play of the, the field that we're in, because there's, there's really a lot more to be seen, you know? I mean, besides what's, that been shown already.
6: Oh, totally. I mean, if look at the real world as a case study. And the original real world was, was groundbreaking. It was like real people.
1: I remember all, it. Yeah, it was great.
6: And, you know, and then you know, dealing with issues like AIDS and like, trying to work in New York. Yeah. And now it's like you know, we're all these beautiful people in a house with a hot tub and we're going to bring our exes in. And, like, there's nothing real about it. Yeah. But, that, but, but if you watch the real world, you, you can see. I mean, that's basically the, you know, the um, paradigm of, of, you know, of what media is. So, well I miss
1: that though. I miss the the old really authentic stuff that but I think started
6: it's coming out. Back. I like Good. I said from what I'm seeing um as far as like because people uh from what I'm hearing about in the industry and what I was mentioned before about sort of like you know real authentic footage, I think people are smart enough now and savvy enough that um you wanna see you wanna see real stuff, you wanna see authentic stuff and um you know, I you know every you know television like any industry ebbs and flows, and I think you know uh, you had the peak with like the hyper reality, and now I think it's um, swinging the other way, and then we'll oh, see what happens. Good. And, good. Uh, so again,
1: well, you know, I I feel like I and I know a lot of paranormal investigators. Plus, I just came back from a conference that there are so many paranormal investigators out there with a TV show idea and a dream about being a star and. um you know, I just, what I mean, really, what are the odds? Because everybody th- thinks they're well, everybody get a TV shows. I
6: mean, everybody's life is important to them. Everybody is yeah. the, star, the yeah. star And how many people do you mean? Like, I could have my own reality show because your life is important <laughs> to you. And it's just yeah. to you because it's you, but yeah. to outsiders. So, I mean, what yeah. is, and, and the thing with the TV shows is like, you know, what is what is the hook that gets you in? You know, what, what is different about you? But when you strip it away when you strip away whether you're um you know um you know whether you're making a uh you know whether you're honey boo boo in, yeah. in, in like little you know, five year old town competitions or whether you're uh the ghost hunter um or what's, what's the uh, the duck dynasty people when, oh,
0: we, when yeah. you strip
6: away that hook um mm-hmm you know, what is the thing that's compelling that wants me to come back every week and care about you, care about you as people? What is that, what is that good story that can be told over and over and over again? Different, yeah. That's the difference between, you know, what I say is, you know, would this make a good two-and-a-half-minute segment on CBS Sunday morning, or would this make a good series? Because sometimes it's, yeah. you know, it's nothing more than two, two and a two-and-a-half-minute story.
1: Right. Yeah. So what... Who do you think is doing it well? I mean, other than of course yourself, right now. What what shows are doing it really well? Do you think in the industry right now?
6: Oh, you know, it's it's funny. I've been so inundated with my show. I'm trying to think of um, what I what I've been watching um, as far as reality shows go. You know, I, because I've been working on so many shows, um, mm-hmm. I can't say what is. I'm trying to think of shows that I've seen that come out. Like, for example, I caught a little bit of um, Married at First Sight. And that was oh, it. yeah. Well, that, that, that's another thing, too. Social experiments are big now. And I guess, personally, social experiments don't resonate with me mm-hmm. because by the very nature of a social experiment, it's a setup. You know, it's not authentic. Yeah. Um. You know, what other uh, – that's a good one. You put me on the spot. Maybe, maybe I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Maybe over the break. I mean, cause, because honestly, like I, I work on my show, and then I was at Discovery, working at Discovery Digital, and I was working across a lot of Discovery and Animal Planet shows. Uh-huh. So, I was, so I was watching all those shows. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of them are great.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm glad that you said we could do it over the break because I just realized we're seven minutes past our break because we're just so fascinated in our conversation. So uh, we are going to take a break, and we will be right back. Stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Chucky G and me, Karen Fraser, and our guest, BJ Beretta. We'll be right back.
2: While cutting with a 12-inch dual compound miter saw, while holding a newborn baby in your arms, when face-to-face with a congregation of alligators, with the ball in your hands and the entire freaking season on the line...
6: There are a million places you'd never consider texting, so why would you do it while driving? NASCAR driver Casey Kane here, asking you to please stop the text, and together we can stop the wrecks.
2: Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Get the message at stoptextstopwrecks.org.
1: Kristen from the enlightened circle join us tuesday nights at 10 p.m eastern where we'll feature great guests enlightening information and spiritual healing if you have questions about or for the universe the enlightened circle is where you want to be tuesdays at 10 only on the hazy radio network
5: Babies, you gotta just roll with that flow. Yeah, right into the great daylight as the sun arises right there in your heart.
6: Starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time and running right into high noon. You've got the coyote medicine show in the mornings with your host Grandpa Peter Coyote helping you take flight right into the heart, baby. That's right. You gotta know, you gotta get in the flow. The coyote medicine show, only on the Hazy Radio Network.
3: Life in the Universe with Madeline Rudy, discussing paranormal happenings in everyday life with psychics, healers, and intuitives from all over the world. Call in to receive healing energy and balancing. Learn how to create the most fulfilling life possible from healers, intuitives, and life coaches to help you move along your path in life. That's Life in the Universe every Tuesday and Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Only on the Hay-Z Radio Network. This is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network.
0: Hello, you're back with Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. That song you just heard. What, you're not the lovely
1: Chucky G now? Well,
0: I was lovely earlier. Only
1: earlier,
0: yeah. I am the slightly stuffed up Chucky G at this moment. Yeah. it's uh, the name of the song you just you just heard was "Don't Forget My Name" by Zuzu Angel. We are talking to a very interesting gentleman by the name of BJ Beretta and having a wonderful conversation. And now we're going to delve more into some stuff. And I have I have a question. I
1: know, but I just have to say that BJ, you were the best sport over the break when Chuck and I were the paranormal investigators with the suitcase and a dream. We were pitching him our ideas, and he was also very very kind about it. No problem.
6: You, you know you you hear every idea you know that's part I of, the, know. of the job. I know. So so my question
0: is, uh, and we've talked about. I mean, I know you did this the 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 documentary Surviving Death. What what is your personal feelings on the paranormal field, like as far as spirits and such? Let's let's get a little farther into it. Yeah. What are your What are your personal feelings on this? I mean, your mom being a psychic astrologer and all. I mean, what do you feel about this?
6: Well, I definitely believe there's. There's something else, you know, that that our our soul, our consciousness, when we die, we go on somehow, some way. And I I can't say know what it is. I don't know if it's a soul, I don't know if it's were a ghost. I don't I, I don't know. Um you know, and a lot of that is you know, some of the stuff I just sort of you know growing up, you know, you taught faith, um a lot of the research I did for the for the for the documentary, just saw the story, some of the, you know, evidence or not evidence but, but stories of unexplained stuff. Um and then just uh you know maybe just some deep down sort of um you know human sort of um you know just need to know that when we die we go on. You guys are talking before the break about, you know, you didn't want to live with that before, before I came on, yeah. like, you didn't want to live the thousand years. But how do you know if our souls aren't immortal? You know, I mean, well, but body... that's
1: different. Yeah. That, that's different. I think, but no, I understand what you're saying.
6: Would you so, want to yeah. live
1: a thousand years, PJ?
6: Um, it depends where, <laughs> <laughs> and in what, and in
1: what condition,
6: but, but, you know, I, I think, um, I like to think that, um, you know, and I didn't go too deep. I went deeper into some of my interviews, but I didn't go too deep in the, in the film. But I had mentioned, like, little sound bites. Like, you know, a lot of this is kind of like the meaning of life. You know? Like, you know, if you attribute some sort of meaning to your consciousness, that we're not just some sort of random biological action, but if we are some sort of soul or energy or whatever you want to call it, uh-huh. and, um, it's, and it exists beyond our physical body or can exist, you know, that, that gives life different meaning. And then it also kind of gives ghost hunting different meaning, too, because, you know, a lot of times I watch these shows about, like, ghost hunters or or, or seen documentaries. Not all of them, but a lot of times it's like, you know, like you're hunting for a rat in the dark, but you're not hunting an animal. Like, this is a human being. Like, imagine imagine if you were a ghost and you were stuck in, you know, somebody's basement and you don't know what the hell's going on and you're dead or you don't know if you're dead and you're trying to get out. You're not trying to scare. And and then people are coming in with, uh, you know, all this technology and, you know, I mean, like. You no, know, they're human beings, you know. I mean if the person wasn't deceased, if there was like a real person trapped in your basement, would you be poking and prodding and you know, you have a little right. bit more compassion.
1: Yes, and I thank you for saying that. Uh you are now my new favorite favorite producer on television. Oh, great. No problem. Thank you. No, because because that is I mean, that is like I think so I think my job when I investigate is i'm the i'm the mushy ushy gushy lovey dovey you know, hug the spirits, hug the people, hug the homeowners, help everybody feel good about everything, mm-hmm. so I appreciate that you say that because I think compassion is so important and quite often missing in paranormal investigation.
0: Well, yeah, that's, that's what I, 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 I have the same process. Cause like when we go on an investigation, we don't go in like, you know, charging in because I feel like, yeah, I feel the exact same way. You know, I go in it with the, my, this is my mindset. I go in like, Hey, I'm going to visit people. To visit yeah. friends and I want yeah. to be able to communicate and, 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 and I go and I joke. I, I'm sarcastic. I'm whatever, you know, and I, it, I find that w- the way we do that, we get quite a lot of responses back. We get a lot of interaction because they're like, Oh, they're just treating us like people or, you know, as, as beings, you know, and I think that's really important in what you're doing as an investigator. I don't think I, I, I disagree that you go charging in with all your stuff. You can use your stuff to, to help gather data to try to understand what's happening or get some semblance of what's going on. But I think the most important thing is that you're just there as a communicator, whether it's to visit, whether it's to take a message, whether it's just to say, you know, hello or whatever, you know, I think that's the way it should be, you know,
6: totally. And I I think That's, that's kind of getting back full circle. Your original question, like what do I think? I think that we're human beings and we know what we know, what we don't know. We don't know. So what happens with, with our, our soul or our consciousness or our being, or our essence. I mean, we probably won't know until I mean, when we die. Right. And, uh, hopefully when we die, we, you know, we go on and, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of stories, there's a lot of stories about near death experience, that famous story about the, that, that, um, neuroscientist who became a believer when he had his, uh, his coma. You guys familiar with that story? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah
1: proof of proof of, Proof of afterlife. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. I read the book. It was a good book. Yeah,
6: he he. Yeah, the he doctor. Had, he had meningitis or something in his brain. Yeah. And when he was in a coma, he had these like these really lovely, lovely, lovely experiences, experience of love and of, of comfort and compassion. And but his his colleagues were monitoring his brain said that part of the brain that would have done that um. You know that would have had to sort of hallucinations was completely dormant because of the disease so how how could you possibly have that and that's what made him a believer
1: proof of uh, heaven even alexander that's what it yeah, is yeah, exactly so
6: yeah. so but but that's just one example of, of stories that you know they're just um you know and when you hear about people's near-death experiences it's not like fire and brimstone or whatever like they're, they're really kind of loving sort of you know, nice experiences. So I, I just yes. I feel like we should treat the afterlife as not um, like Ghostbusters where, you know, streams yeah. strange or whatever. But, <laughs> but actually, you know, just just human beings evolving, moving on. I don't know.
1: So what about reincarnation? What do you think about that?
6: I don't know. I mean, I know there's – I know uh, we're doing some research um, for, um, you know, we're thinking of show ideas and there was that show called "The Ghost Inside My." Um,
1: oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's an interesting
6: show. That was on, um, I think it was on Lifetime. "The Ghost Inside My Child." Child, yeah. Um, yeah, they're,
1: they're actually still doing it, I think. Yes, but, yeah.
6: Um, and you, I mean, they're compelling stories of like you know these these children are um um have these experiences that, that a child couldn't know. And there's that one child where I get the name that he was a World War II. Uh, fighter pilot that he wrote he wrote a book um i i know all these stories but i get the names of the books and the authors Uh but it's um you know i don't know i think that one of the reasons why i'm sort of hesitant about um reincarnation is i don't know what i'm going to come back as you know i'm kind of i like my life i like my i don't want to come back and 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 you know um in some other time or some other period or, or or some situation that might be a little bit more or difficult i'm very very blessed and have a very um you know nice life and um i don't know well, that's like yeah, that's but let's just say you won't have a nice next life. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. we
0: talked about that thousand-year thing, and it's but then like, then I yeah, think but
6: about, like, I don't don't want to be a baby again, and then I start getting really birth <laughs> real, You know, like don't <laughs> you know, do don't want to like you know. Like the first, the first two or three years are just going to be like real downers. You can't talk, you can't do anything. You're not self-sufficient. You can't go to the bathroom by yourself. Yeah, but so you do not know it? Again. You have to
1: sit in your own crap. You're right. Yeah, Della. exactly.
6: And you got to go to school again, and then you got to go to you know another school. Oh my god! Go school. You know, I kinda, <laughs> I'm kind of happy being a 35 year old man. I don't want to think about <laughs> stuff all over again. So, oh, I, that's so funny. I think
5: I think
6: I don't. Um, I, I think my hesitation about believing in reincarnation is just more sort of. Um, laziness or, 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 uh, or, 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 yeah, or just
1: not it's nice. not for me yeah
6: I don't yeah. want to sit in my or poop it's, it's inconvenient it's inconvenient for me to have to sit in, in a dirty diaper again
0: <laughs> there you have it folks <laughs> B.G. Paretta doesn't want to be reincarnated because he doesn't want to sit in his own poop yeah I like that I <laughs> now,
6: now if I if I'm reincarnated in a time in the future where that is eliminated or some sort of technology or something then you know what then sure go ahead shoot me ahead <laughs> 200 years
0: well, that would be kind of interesting if they could yeah. do that, yeah, definitely. But I mean but well, yeah, but you know, you know, if you're a age, you don't you know, like when you're a child, at least when I'm a child, I don't remember half of it until I got to a point where I had consciousness of like, Oh, I'm a person, you know what I mean? So yeah. I mean, you know, you get you, you get to that point and you know, who knows? I mean, you might have had other great lives. You know that are just kind of added to what you, what who you are now, and it just makes it better and better and better. So you know, it's it's all I guess in how you look at it too. You know.
6: Well, I don't think anything could ever beat the '90s. I'm a big '90s
0: fan, so I don't know how many. I don't know. It could get better, you know. It's like well, that's like what you're saying about the 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 what you're saying about the thousand years. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be a thousand years as just me as Chuck. Not that I don't like Chuck. I mean, Chuck's cool and everything, but you know, a thousand years of. Of learning and growing as different people or different beings and that stuff. I think, I think it, I, th- I think it just adds to, uh, you as, as, as a being in itself. I mean, I think it adds to you as a, as a whole, you know, as your soul and, or whatever.
1: And change is cool. And I know a lot of people don't think that a lot of people hate change, but I personally, I love change. So, you know. Bring me back into as many lives as possible.
6: <laughs> I want to try the it all. I mean, like a change might be like switching a job or getting into a car. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, being birthed again. That's, that's the hell of a change. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's like, oh, God, I'm in the womb again. Let me out but of, of here.
1: Also, you also get a chance, <laughs> But You also get a chance to. Don't you ever think, you know, that there were things in childhood or when you were a young adult that you would love to go back and re-experience? But because because you have your experience in the world and your worldview that you have comes from the 35 years in your life, you, those childhood experiences would never be the same again. And the only way to do it is to go back and be a kid again.
6: Well, they'll get me started on toys because, like, I miss my Legos and stuff. But they, they oh, Yeah. Days. They all have their iPads and iPhones. I, I would hate being a kid today. I mean, because like, I don't want to play, um, like, I don't have a Lego app and, and then have, like, Batman Lego figures. Or I like, actually want to have the actual Legos.
1: Yes. Yes, so uh-huh. the, and I want to play Hungry Hippos where you actually have to slam on the
6: little thing to get the hippos to eat the See, thing. See, when, I, on when, on when the... I was a kid, I was the first child, and my, my parents bought me Hungry Hungry Hippos. Yeah, understand the concept of the game. I didn't know what to play it with, so I thought you were just supposed to feed the hippos the marbles. So I just oh, that's so sad. I would release a marble, <laughs> and I'd feed a hippo, and i release another marble, and another- I would do this for hours. <laughs> that's really <laughs> and sad. Then- and then when I went to kindergarten, people were like, playing a game, and I'm like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I thought I was just supposed to say "Here, feed these hippos. <laughs> Realization of hungry
0: hippos, folks. But Thank that's you. why
1: you like the Lego and Legos and those nice solitary pursuits. I will say that one chance, you do get a chance when you have children of your own for the very brief time that they are children, that you kind of do get to re experience childhood through their eyes. Because I'll tell you what, I had my kid with Legos as soon as possible because I dig Legos. Legos mm-hmm.
0: are. I, I remember when I was a kid and we would, when we were, when I was a kid, when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth and I was a child, um, we, you know, we, we, I like, I want a gun. I want to get this gun to go play army with my friend. My dad, he was, he's just cheap Polox. So he wasn't going to buy anything. So we get like these pieces of wood and knock them together like a gun and we'd run little around boys can
1: make anything yeah you know we could just I know.
0: It, but it was the experience of being with your friends of being outside doing that stuff where now it's everything's like I'm scooped up around the TV I'm scooped up around the TV it's like it's just not the same man it's just not it's the same
5: it's all the yeah. screens
6: but you yeah, know but, go ahead I was gonna say it's funny you're know, talking about this and after life what happens when you die I mean I was kind of one of I mean that was sort of you know the the catalyst behind surviving death like what what is this life and what does it mean and you know it's, it's Everybody has all these sort of um, Everybody has all these sort of ideas of what they would want the afterlife to be, you know, and heaven yeah. coming back, you know, hopefully not hell.
1: What if the afterlife is just what we believe it's going to be or what we want it to be? How cool would that be?
6: That would be pretty cool. That's a good idea for a show. <laughs> Dream up your own afterlife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't
1: know, really?
6: I don't know how you'd film the afterlife part. I don't know. We don't have the technology. Oh, you
1: just make it really super trippy, you know.
6: Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, and I and I was and someone had told me that once too. Like when you go to the other side, uh, your view of what the afterlife is is really what it you manifest it. That's what it becomes. You know what I mean? Well,
1: that's what Raymond Moody told us when he was on the show. That yes. he he talked about that people having near death experiences that some people you said that uh, you know you were saying that sorry about the dogs that for that it's always this beautiful experience and there are people who have hellish near death experiences because that's what they yeah. expect and believe that they're going to see and there are also cultural aspects to near death experiences so well
6: if, uh, well this what I want to see and if it's cultural I mean my near death experience is going to be the Eagles winning a Super Bowl or the Flyers winning a Stanley <laughs> Over and over and over, you know.
1: And we we had a Seahawks Super Bowl win one year, and we've uh, you know, last year was just heartbreaking. So I, I'm done. I'm done with the Super Bowl roller coaster, man. Well, you have uh, so, one
6: Super Bowl, so I'm not really shedding too many tears. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob
0: has a question. He's he's asking. Let's see. 3D is popular in movies with 60 plus inch screens now. How about how long do you think before 3D becomes routine?
6: I don't think so, and, and the reason why is because, there is from at least from my experience, from, from what I'm reading, you know, people don't like to add it in the home experience, putting the, the, the glasses on their on their face. People are very yeah. sort of, um, lazy when they want to relax, you know, you don't want to, you don't yeah. want you know, to have to like strap in and, 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 and suit up. Um, yeah. And the reason three D is popular in the movies is because of the upcharge. So this year, they're saying that in twenty fourteen or whatever, like it was like a record breaking year for the box office. But audiences are going down. Um, they're charging more well for tickets, and the upcharge for those plastic glasses is a hell of a lot more. So three D, so three D's is a cash cow, which is why it's going to uh, stick around for a little bit. Yeah. But um, you know, it doesn't. I mean, a real filmmaker. I mean, everybody who makes three d is a real filmmaker. But right. but when you when you look when you look at um, but when you look at a shot. You don't look at it as a two-dimensional. You look at foreground, mid-ground, and background. Everything is 3D. You're working in a 3D space. Right. And when I watch 3D movies, you know, it just seems artificial. I don't personally like it. A lot of people don't. And also, think, like... So, like, a movie like The Avengers? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome for 3D, or, like, a Spider-Man. Um, but, like, ha- like a quirky comedy. Yeah, or, it's just gratuitous, isn't you it? You know, or a rom-com. Like, it doesn't really quite work. Yeah. So, oh. 3D is a... Um, you know, like anything in Hollywood or entertainment, they'll milk it for every um, every penny they can get out of it. And then,
0: stick.
1: the only movie I ever went to see in three D was Avatar, and the rest of them, I was like, I'm not paying that. I'll just go see it normal.
0: <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle the three D. It drives my eyes crazy. It's like I, I've tried to do it. It's like I just can't do it. It just it just doesn't
6: seem real. Well, man.
1: those glasses can trigger migraines too, because they uh, don't they don't the glasses. And you may
6: not know this, BJ, but don't
1: they. Like switch or something. There's there
6: the old 3D glasses um, where we had the shutters. The new ones. I'm not pushing okay. the technology, but um, the best 3D movie I ever saw was and Kumar because they 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 used the three. They actually used the 3D as sort of like a not the character, but sort of a, as a um, you know setting up a punchline and a joke. Uh-huh. So fun! Because those those are actually really smart movies and they're very hyper aware movies and I was hyper aware that it was 3D. So I kind of I kinda like that. But to be honest, I haven't seen too many 3D movies to really make a determination. Yeah. The, uh, the small yeah. handful that I saw, how Harold and Kumar Saves Christmas was the... Uh, the, the <laughs> Christmas
0: well, we remember how Jaws 3D turned out, don't we?
6: Oh, yeah. Oh, Jaws that-
1: 3 and 3D. <laughs> I forgot about... No, you but know, that's, that's not true. The other 3D movie I saw was The Creature from the Black Lagoon back many years ago.
6: But see, but but that's the... Qu- I mean, you guys can kind of answer the question is, just 3D isn't new. 3D's been yeah. around. And it ebbs and it flows, and it comes. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's kind of the fad now, but you know, I, I don't, I don't see it sticking around or becoming anything more than a niche.
1: I'm about to date myself horribly, and I'm sorry, but back in the 70s, I had a Grand Funk Railroad poster that you Whoa. had to look at with 3D glasses.
6: <laughs> Grand Funk, <laughs> I remember, yeah. I remember those. You had the, the blue and the green. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Grand Funk
6: Railroad. <laughs> That's a good band, man. man. <laughs> That's so about,
1: how old I am.
0: Oh, my Lord. So uh, so getting back to your documentary, when you, while you were shooting it, I wanted to ask, while you were shooting it in the locations... Did anything paranormal happen? Like that you did like uh, that you noticed and took you back a little bit or you know, you're like, what the heck was that?
6: Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean if you watch the film you'll see there's there's two I opened the I opened the film with with one experience, the the actual real paranormal sort of um situation that you could uh-huh. you know, document. And the other one was a um it was a paranormal-esque experience? I'm not saying it was or wasn't, but you have to kind of take it for um you know for what it's worth, for what whether you believe what the characters are are, are telling you to if it's true or not. Yeah. So um and then you know the scene at the end where the where the lights went out, the batteries just shut off. I mean, you know, I can't conclusively say, you know, sometimes batteries die, but some usually they kind of dim. They just kinda of went out. That yeah. was a little freaky. The the first well, I won't give anything away because this is actually on the Ts on my website where, where yeah. there was that cold breeze. I mean, we were literally in the middle of this prison. It was shot at Easter State Penitentiary, and it's in oh, Philadelphia. Okay. If you're not familiar, it's one of the haunted or most allegedly haunted prisons or, or locations in America. It's this old creepy prison. And, and my yep. documentary kind of explains why it's creepy and what it's about and, and why it's significant. And um, it was a warm, it was, it was May, and I remember shooting, and there's no air conditioning, I just remember thinking, God, it was such a warm, sticky night, and I remember just feeling kind of, like, miserable because we're running around with gear, I was running around all day shooting, and, you know, we didn't have, I remember thinking, like, we don't have a nice, cool night, and there was just cool breeze coming down the corridor, and we actually walked to the end of the corridor and, like, everything was sealed because it's closed up for the night, there were no doors open, so we didn't know where that breeze came from, and there was no, like, HVAC or air conditioning because it's an old prison, so, um, yeah, it could be paranormal. You know, I mean,
5: cool.
6: It could be something else. I, yeah, I've done anything. You know, so any yeah. sort of legitimate scientific study, but based on my just observation, it was abnormal.
0: So did you? So now you've done this one, this, this short documentary. Has it interested you to go forward to do more in that field?
6: Yeah, like I said, we're 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 you know the the network uh, the production company I'm with now. Um, they, um, you know, I was pitching, and we were kind of working. We're working on a paranormal project now. The network is looking at a at a sizzle that we put together. So I
1: love that name, Sizzle reel. That's so. funny. Know, that's cool. So, I'm going to
6: use that whenever I can from now on. So who knows? I mean, it's um, you know, there's a lot of factors. I, you know, I I like to tell good stories. I like to tell things that are interesting to me. Uh, yeah. The paranormal is interesting to me. I think there's a good story there. Everybody, um, you know. It, I I would like to do more. There's so many great stories. Like we had mentioned that the doctor earlier or, or yeah. children through reincarnation. I don't yeah. think there's any, for me, I don't, you know, it might be more like documentaries or projects as opposed to series. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think I'd rather take one topic and really kind of give it like a real, you know, I get real it. careful. Yeah. Treatment.
1: I get it. That's, that's uh, how I do my books. As a matter of fact, is that I, Find a subject that just absolutely, I just want to dig as deep as I can and that I connect to. So I understand. So, uh, can we talk about Shark Week?
6: Sure, sure. Here we go. Week, Here anyway. we go. So, I saw
1: so yeah, go tell me, um, what is it about TV watchers that makes Shark Week so tremendously successful? How, how
6: long have they done it? I mean, they've done it for years. So I think this year's the 28th year. Holy and, cow! Uh, Shark Week is one of those things, and it's uh, like the first like themed week of television, um, mm-hmm. or like nonfiction television, and it's like it's like a holiday now. <laughs> you know, it really <laughs> is like a like a holiday because there's nothing going on in August. I guess July, August, because after after Fourth of July, um, and you know, other I mean they try to capitalize with like Monster Week or Mermaid Week, whatever. But just just something about Shark Week, I, I don't know. Um, it maybe it was the you know the movie Jaws kind of yeah. made sharks these kind of like these mysterious almost kind of scary creatures. Um and then I guess maybe there's um some sort of uh you know, fascination with sharks and 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 just it's like because it's a holiday, it's fun now. You have the programming, you have the yeah. the the Shark Week um you know, Cold Stone Creamery ice cream treats and and all the Shark Week, you know, paraphernalia.
0: Well, yeah, because they scared a the poop out of you and they could eat you. That's what. it's <laughs>
5: interesting.
6: Yeah, I mean, but on, you know, the, the thing is, um, you know, sharks aren't as scary, and I, I know they try to do more of a, con- a, a conversation uh-huh. um, sort of angle. I mean, Discovery's getting away. The last two years, they did the two, sh- the two fake documentaries, the uh, yeah. Don two years ago, and then um, Submarine Shark. And the Discovery's got a new president now because people are like, this is Discovery. What are you doing with these mockumentaries that seem so authentic? Yeah. Um, so I think they're getting back to doing more um, more um, authentic, real shark stories. And yeah. I, you know, I guess I'm kind of partial to, to see, like, because I, I worked on a, plan, a project for Animal Planet um, called Whale Wars. Um, Blood and Water, which was the first visual episode for Discovery Communications. So it's an interactive episode of the TV show, Whale Wars, and it's more about conservation and protecting the planet and protecting mm-hmm. the sea creatures. And um, it won a couple Webbies, and I almost won an Emmy, and we didn't win, so it was a little oh,
5: bummed.
6: But, sounds... um, but it was still a great project. And um, so I feel like, um, you know, whenever we talk about sharks, I need to talk about the whales, too, and say, you know, not all the sea creatures are bad. We need to... You know, that one planet, one
0: ocean, you know. It's true. It's yeah. true. Whales are cool. Dolphins are cool. I love I, did, I dig
1: yeah. whales and dolphins. I have yeah. them I have them decorating my home. So, yeah, I I'm getting
0: well, with that. And see, well, they always say, like, oh, well, those sharks, they don't really want to hu- hurt humans. They're okay. They're just animals. It's like, if I'm in the water and there's a great white coming at me, I'm going to be scared to crap right out of me. It's well, the just, thing
6: is, it's like, sharks don't want to eat. Humans and I think a lot of times, like They're when, when on, a, on, on a um on a surfboard, it almost had the same profile as like um, like a seal or something or some other. Oh sequence. yeah. So that's why they take a bite and spit you out. Um, well,
1: they ha- but they have those cold dead eyes. I think that that's part of what people what people react to. I mean, Steven Spielberg
6: fun. did a great job with Jaws. I mean, yeah. was, like, well, can it's it really successful movie.
1: He well, he created. I mean, talk about creating just this uh, cultural phenomenon that has... Uh, wasn't that out in the 70s? Yeah.
6: Jaws was late 70s. yeah, yeah it, was, it was the first official summer blockbuster. Yep.
1: And look at how much he has affected all these well, years later, 40-something years later, that he's affected still the way that we perceive sharks.
0: Well, I mean, BJ just said it right there. He's like, well, they don't really want to eat you. They just bite you and spit you out. Well, I mean, what the it's, hell? They're I mean, still he biting. Not as bad. Yeah you know, like a limb hanging off. That yeah. scares the
1: crap out of me. I'm going to say that to the next donut I eat. I don't really want to yeah, eat it. It's stuff. okay. Yeah. Not just, gonna, out. Yeah.
0: just say, yeah, they're not going to eat you. Don't worry. They're just going to bite you and spit Yeah, out. But, oh, but that I, doesn't I, make me feel better.
6: I had worked on my my Sharky project. I had worked on, well, I did a bunch of, I worked to Discovery Digital, so I did a lot of the online videos. But some of the online videos I did were, um, so Submarine Shark was the fake documentary uh, last year. So I had, Done all the, the the fake blog posts, the fake video blog posts of the of the scientist, all oh. his all his fake YouTube videos saying how he was authentic and real. So. <laughs> well, that was kind
1: of fun, though. I bet oh, it was different, creative.
6: Working, I, I say, like working at Discovery during Shark Week is like being an elf during at the North Pole during Christmas time. You know, it, it's like the excitement, like it's like the big yeah. thing. It's like what it. You know what, it exists for you know, it's kind of um, I'm sorry, I'm kind, was,
1: of, I'm kind of jealous to tell you the truth because Shark Week's pretty cool,
6: it is pretty cool. It's totally, it's totally, um, it's my favorite week of the year. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say that I was
0: totally bummed that the mermaids was fake.
6: I had, I, had I was people, so bummed about I that. I have friends that believe that. I had, I, I had my one friend. I told her, yeah, I said, the mermaids live in the third floor of the headquarters. <laughs> and she goes, I see them, I'm like, no, you have to have special access. I told her oh, that one day, I said, she was, the one mermaid was floating upside down like a goldfish. We had to, you know, we had to flush her down the toilet.
0: Well, they did such a good job. I mean, my God, you're watching this and you're like, this is just really, I mean, you know, at, at a point you're like, okay, no, it's not real. But when you're watching it, it's like, they did such a good job. Yeah. And so many That's people really believed it was true, you know.
1: That's how I felt when I watched Sharknado, Chuck.
0: <laughs> I that,
6: knew this to come up. But Sharknado—that's sci-fi's answer to Sharknado. I, I know. Like, like sharks again. Summer is just to the sharks and and uh, for the sharks and Discovery yeah. has Shark Week. So now everybody's trying to capitalize on the on the shark game with Sharknado and all kinds of yeah, other. Yeah, they, they had
0: Sand Shark, where it was underneath the ground. It was like Hulk Hogan's daughter and somebody else. I'm like, serious? Yeah,
1: what? but come on. I think SNL had the original Shark Land Shark. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah Shark.
0: Candygram. <laughs> it was like the best ever. Did they do? Did they do Sharknado? Isn't there like a one and a two and a three or I don't know how many well, are
1: there.
6: Well, yeah, I think they're on three, aren't they? Sharknado is hitting the East Coast, so it's gonna hit. I think it's hitting. Um, no, it's hitting DC and New York. A bunch of it's a uh, you know one of the storms on track up the coast. Wow.
1: Stupidest, uh, you know, I would say it's the stupidest premise for a movie ever. But I, I know the name of some of the other sci-fi original, original movies. And then my son sent me a uh, IMDb for a, a Zombievers, and then I decided that that was act, like Zombievers. yeah. I decided that was the stupidest premise
6: ever.
0: I have to see that Zombievers. So this looks too funny. I'm sorry.
6: Well, when I was at the um, when I was at the um, the Webby's, I sat next to Shannon Doherty, and she was, because um, she was promoting, um, what's the name of her movie? It was about lampreys. And, um, oh, God, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking
6: about. It might just oh. be called Lamprey. And it was, you know, it was kind of Animal Planet's answer to, like, Sharknado. So, like, Sharknado was the answer to Shark Week. So, but that's, tell, that's the industry. You know, everybody's trying to one-up and get, get on over each other.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, that's one of the things about the industry that sometimes makes you scratch your head a little bit is that I understand that you you work with what's successful and what's popular. But it's like one network will come out with something and somebody else will come out with something almost the same. I mean, they change maybe a few details and it gets a little old.
6: But I think that's what it is now. When people know what what works, because there's so much risk in investing yeah. uh, time and money into a show. That if you know the yeah. formula that works, look at all the remakes in Hollywood. Like I know, been, because hey, we know it works. as a franchise that we know is bankable. Let's just make a crappier version of that movie with uh, with current stars. Thank you. Thank and, you for saying Star that. Star
1: Wars, and, like Star Wars. I'm sorry.
0: Or ha- Halloween, Halloween. All these great. Horror movies that I watched when I was a kid, and you just, just totally play. obliterate. I, mean, I,
6: I, I tell my students to first day classes, so you have to look at this art. You yeah, know, you got to look at uh, film in two ways. You know, it's an art form, but it's also a business. So we t- we look at it both ways. And me as a you know the filmmaker, a maker of, of surviving death. You know, I look at it as an art, but somebody that has to make a living in the it- business, I look at it as a business, and you know how how are ways to you know pay the bills.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And and I always tend to look at everything as art because that's the way I am. Hey, remember I told you before you came on the air that when we got to quarter two that we would have you shamelessly self-promote whatever you felt like plugging? It's that that time.
6: Well, I appreciate that. So I guess I should plug Surviving Death, the Paranormal Debate. It's available on iTunes and um, Amazon.com. Yep. And it is a twenty seven minute uh, short documentary, but it's chocked full of tons of uh, information and and, and legitimate uh, thoughtful um participants. And uh you can find a, a link to it in the teaser at www.survivingdeathdebate.com. surviving um what uh, um what is uh surviving death debate dot com, excuse me. It's w surviving DeathDebate.com, all one word surviving dot com, and you can find the link at that website to the iTunes store, the Amazon store, and there's also a, a link to the trailer and information about the film. See if you're if you're, not, if you're on the fence, you know you can learn a little bit more about the film before you commit that dollar ninety nine to to rent it or buy it.
1: Well, I'm just looking at it right now. It says you can rent it for three ninety nine or buy it for oh. one ninety nine. Hmm.
0: It,
6: it's, worth, it? It,
0: it's worth more than that. I spent, I spent more than that.
6: I, I don't know if there's some sort of um, why why the distributor did it that way. I don't know just some sort of logic behind it. But if it's cheaper to, to buy than the rent, it is. is. Buy, it. buy it. Oh, I'm it.
1: clicking. I yes. am clicking. Buy right now.
6: Buy yes. it. It's good.
1: It's so I, I own it now.
6: There you go. I appreciate that. Thank you. And um, yeah,
1: you'll yeah, get so, my dollar ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs>
6: I'll get like maybe two cents of that in about 10 yeah. years.
1: <laughs>
5: right.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. But I just want to, I mean, like I said, it's, it, it was a, it was a thesis film. Um, it was something that I, was, I was interested in as a labor love. And um, I just want people to watch it. I think it's, I think it's thoughtful. Like I said, it doesn't evangelize or demonize one point of view or the other. It's a real investigation or something for everybody. So whether you're, a skeptic or you're religious or you're scientific or, or, um, more spiritual, um, there's something there for you. And I always say, you know, if you believe song, if you believe strongly in one point of view, you should be able to understand or articulate the other side's point of view. Right. So like I said, it's, it's not a debate where it's like, you're right, you're wrong. It's more sort of like a thoughtful discussion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you have been an absolutely wonderful guest. And when, you, when your sizzle reel gets purchased <laughs> um, or picked up, what's it called? When it, when they do, is it picked up? Is that what they say they do with it?
6: I guess they say, uh, what is the term? I, I guess um, you know, they buy it. You know they, they buy, buy it. The
1: okay. Product. So when someone buys your project, the paranormal sizzle reel that you have, let us know. Come back on. Or if you just feel that's like coming, in, coming and talking, you know how to yeah, get a hold of Cheryl. So, yeah, we love having you on, and I, we'd love to have you back.
6: Great. Yes. Thank you. And, and and thank you so much for the, the, the great review. And thank you so much for the uh, the to plug and just having a fun conversation. It just flew by. I felt like we were talking cool. for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I know. It
1: went really fast for us, too. We forgot to go to break. So that tells you. So uh, thank you very much. And I Thanks wish you DJ. all the success in the world. Good thank night. you so much, guys. Take care. Uh-huh. Good, night. Good night. All right. There you go. So that was a fun show, huh?
0: Heck yeah. I fun like interview. that guy. Yeah, I like. I like. I liked, I liked this, the movie or the movie. It's not the movie. It's a documentary. I liked yes. the documentary, and now that I met him. I like it even more.
1: Yeah, yeah. he's he's a cool, chill guy, and really knows his stuff. And it's it's kind of fun, also, because like I say, there are so many people in the paranormal who really kind of have these dreams of of having their own show. So it's interesting to hear from an insider's perspective um, exactly what that entails.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. interesting. Like when I threw the pitch at him, you know, just to see what he would say. And It was interesting <laughs> how they break that down and yeah, they, it was really they look at it. It was it was very it was really fascinating because it's like yeah, that was on go. the
1: break. That was on the break, so nobody yeah. else heard that. But That's he absolutely okay. was able to break that down and say, "Well, yeah. this is what you would need, and this is why, and this was what they would do with it." And yeah, I you know, it's really cool as somebody who you know watches. Watches stuff and watches a lot of documentaries yep. and and well, watches a little bit on TV here and there. It's it's fascinating to kind of see you know what's going on with the puppet strings.
0: Behind yeah, and it. he had and he had me at the very end when he said when he started saying and all these crappy remakes of movies. I'm like yes, because that's how I feel about all this junk. I,
1: like, know. So, wow, I, well, I know. I I know. I don't go to a lot of movies anyway. I'm not a real movie person, but I do watch a little bit of reality TV. I probably watch. Maybe an hour of TV a day, I, if I that. Can't. But I watch it on the on the internet when I have time.
0: Yeah, there's uh, there's certain shows you mentioned I I can't watch them. they drive me crazy. <laughs> I can't do it, man. I can't do some of those shows. So no,
1: I know, I know. You're a desperate housewife or a, a Real Housewives of. Uh, what city are they like? New Jersey, Real House, you're yeah. Real Housewives of New Jersey, watching. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. that's
1: right. You that you strike me as that kind of a dude.
0: Oh, uh, you know, I'm a single guy now, so you know. Hey, okay, those Real Housewives—they're right about.
1: <laughs> well, that's the you know the plastic surgery I was talking about before. That's, oh yeah, I, I think you see that on those shows a lot.
0: Oh, I can't handle that. I could, I could, I couldn't even keep a straight face if I was talking to someone like that. And I'm looking at him going, "Why does your face look like all stretched like plastic or something?"
1: No, you would be perfectly lovely because you're not a rude person
0: i know i would think it in my head but i wouldn't say it
1: i know you would be you would be perfectly he, cheryl he probably thinks stuff like that in his head about us all the time oh my god what's wrong i think okay, it like she didn't brush her hair after her walk oh, today I I think that's spinach in her teeth. oh
0: my god <laughs> cheryl help you me didn't out. Say, Did say it
4: you but you about? were thinking it <laughs>
0: Uh, I wasn't thinking anything. I'm going to blow my nose. I'm <laughs> going to put on mute and blow my nose. Here we All right. Go, go.
1: for yeah, it. Yeah, okay. So while Chuck is doing that, go <laughs> the visual, you people need to see this. Um, right. Anyway, while Chuck is doing that, what do we have coming up here on the big show? And he's out of frame.
4: All right. Um, thanks to our guest tonight, BJ Beretta. Um, that was, I mean, it, the time flew <sighs> by. uh, loved it. It flew by so quickly. Hearing about the documentary, yes. as well as the in, inside scoop on uh, filmmaking and, and TV producing and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, next week we have all sorts of paranormal goodness coming your way. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, I don't know what that is. Is it yet. creamy paranormal goodness or is it? Cheesy paranormal <laughs> it's so good, goodness. she doesn't it's know so what it
0: is.
5: That's
4: how good it is, is folks. It's creamy, <laughs> delicious paranormal goodness.
0: Come on, what, really, what is it? What are we? Are we? Okay, okay. The it? guest
4: okay. paranormal there, box the, of fun. The guest kind of fell through. So,
1: <laughs> well, who, where, who was the guest? Oh, I can't say. Before? I can't. No, okay. I can't say that. Um,
4: well,
2: so, you can
1: type in the window. Well,
4: wait, uh, we yeah, don't have I a guest now. No, but we're gonna find one.
0: Oh, thank God. otherwise Because it's you Chuck and can. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, okay, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. all yeah, right. We know how that person yeah,
1: is. Yeah, all right.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. Okay. I right. feel well, out of the
4: loop. Week two- <laughs> next week is TBD. TBD, <laughs> but believe me, it'll be paranormal goodness. G-
3: yes. Oh, and so okay. how,
1: about, how about after that?
4: Okay, uh, the week after that, May 7th. Oh, my gosh. Is why, don't you, why don't you Why do see uh, no, if not May. Collins can no, come on next week?
1: Um, who? Aaron Collins. I yeah. sent you
4: his card. Oh, by the way, that's, who, yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. I'll do that. Um, I skipped a week. Actually, after that, it'll be April 30th. And okay. that is going to be full of paranormal goodness, and I'm not kidding. It's a psychic roundtable. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, that'll be fun. We are going to be having Seth Michael, Nancy Laporta, and June Lundgren, uh, psychic extraordinaires joining us, and hopefully also our good friend, William Becker.
1: Whoa. Who he is in Europe right now. He's in England. He keeps yeah. sending me pictures of Jolly Old England. Oh, yeah. Patty actually has another one that would be a good guest for the show. So I'll, I'll mention so that. Oh,
0: I bet she does. Um, okay.
1: She, no, she's a Queen Mary expert. She wrote a book about the Queen Mary. Oh, nice. Ooh. Yes. Ooh.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I can hook you up with her on um, Facebook show. Okay. We'll talk tomorrow. Yeah. Later.
4: So we're, yeah.
0: so, so, so with the round table, we're having on the big guns. On. Yep. All the big guns. Yeah, big sports. guns.
1: Yeah, and you and I are going to be like the little peons.
0: Yes, we are. I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, what are they talking about? They lost me after star <laughs> or something. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, that's that's how it's going to be. <laughs> I better brush up. I better get my books out. And well, up.
1: I I have a reading scheduled with Seth. Let's see, when is he giving me my reading? I think it's <gasps> I think it's actually in May. Oh, at, on May 11th, I have a reading with. Oh, Seth. fun. You know, the other person that we could, uh, if we couldn't get the one I'm going to talk to you about, maybe we could get Teresa Carroll back because everybody just adored her and would love, wanted more with her.
4: Yeah. Yep. That's hmm. true.
1: Yep. So okay. we could we could see for next week if we could sort of bring some people back that people yep. that are, that our listeners have really enjoyed.
4: Right. We can do that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think most of the people we have are pretty enjoyable. Yes. do you think? Oh,
4: I, I know.
1: I I guess I I didn't mean to say that there are people that we have that no, are not really no. enjoyable.
0: I understand. Sorry. Well,
1: we could get that guy that I was telling you what? guys about this weekend.
0: Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. How dare you? Well, we could. We could have really nasty fun with them. But so really, we have a yep, show.
1: Yeah. We have, no, I would be nice to him. I was nice to him at the conference. Oh, But I, would I'll be. just really fast, I'll just tell you because we only have a couple minutes left. So I was on an author's panel at the Oregon Ghost Conference on Friday night. And um, all of the authors were people like me who wrote about ghosts and, and uh, past lives and stuff, except for this one guy who sat down on the very end. His name was Frank. And his. We didn't know because they didn't warn us, but Frank was there to tell us that it was Satan who was driving us all and that there are no such things as ghosts or past lives, and that it's all Satan feeding us to us. Okay. So, no, I was actually nice to him, and I talked to him. And, um, you know, he, that's just what he believes, and that's what he does. He travels around to ghost conferences and tries to hit people President. over the head with the stick of
0: Jesus. Yeah. He- <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't like him because he harassed you, so Frank came out to me. That's show. right. Oh, I, had to,
1: that's... I, I talked to him on stage. He caught me as I was coming off stage from the, the panel, and he started talking to me, and he, he told me that I may think I'm spiritual, but really it's Satan who's driving me.
0: Yeah, okay. Sure. And who's pulling your strings, Frank? Huh? Is it Beelzebub?
1: Hmm? No. Huh? You know, I, I told him I totally disagreed with him, but I completely respected the fact that he... Um, Believes so strongly in something that at his own expense he. Yeah, but it's okay
0: to, but it's okay to feel strongly about something, but be respectful. It's different (laughs) when you're feeling strongly about something and you're just plain old rude. Okay, he
1: was a little rude. Yeah, Chad says I was wearing my Jesus shirt. Yes, I had on this little fashionable shirt that had a little metal (laughs) metal cross on the front, and so Chad thinks that I, I sent him mixed messages. Yeah, that's all right. Oh, okay. So with that, um, come back next week because I'll tell you what we don't know who it's going to be, but it's going to be somebody fabulous.
0: Yes, fabulous, darlings.
1: Fabulous, and that's... um, there's nothing else to announce at this moment. Is that correct? Not a thing. Send me your dreams.
0: My yes, nose please. hurts. Does that count or no?
1: <laughs> no, Chuck. I hope you feel better. Yes, thank you. you yeah, just take some, drink lots of orange juice, and go crawl into bed and.
0: <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do.
1: Yeah, sounds good to me. Um, all right. So thank you everybody for listening. This was a great show. I loved having um BJ on the show and I hope he will come back again and I hope that his paranormal project is um green lighted. No, what did he sold?
0: Yeah. Whatever. Purchased. Ah. these purchased
1: purchased so that he so that it can get out there because um and I'm looking forward to looking watching Surviving Death, so go to Amazon.com. Oh, yes. It'll be the best dollar ninety nine you ever spent, folks. Heck yeah. Yeah, Surviving Death, of Paranormal Debate. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio here on the Hazy Radio Network. We will be back next week, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states. You guys have a great week.
0: Good night. Good
1: night.
0: If you'd like to guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something... Paranormal.